All right, grab your Bibles and go to 1 Peter chapter 1 with me this morning, if you would. 1 Peter chapter 1. First Peter is a book that we grab a hold of, uh, particularly when we want to know about how to handle suffering. Uh, there is much in the scripture about that, but particularly in the book of, of First Peter. And uh, we're going to start with two verses, verses 6 and 7, and then we're going to drop down to verses 13 through 21 this morning. Let's all stand, if you would. If your neighbor doesn't have a Bible, allow them to look on with you this morning. Verse 6 says, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. And then go down to verse 13 with me, if you would. Verse 13. It says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if he call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear, for as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I am so thankful this morning that we serve a God of hope. We serve a God of encouragement. We serve a God of strength. We serve a God who is holy and pure and absolutely never changes. And that helps us to be able to stand firm in these days. Lord, uh, we are looking around us and seeing things change at a rapid pace. And uh, some things are happening that, that uh, we've never seen, many of us, in our, in our lifetimes before. But Father, uh, I'm glad that I serve a God who can give us the strength, give us the help, give us the direction that we need in order to stand firm for you. We pray your blessings upon this time together in your word, and we ask God that you might just guide us and direct us, speak to our hearts this morning about changes and things that need to be in our lives so that we can stand firm for our Savior in troubled times. We pray that you would watch over and bless, and may the, the, the Spirit of God speak to hearts this morning through your word. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. 
And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. Go back with me to verses 6 and 7, if you would. And it, it explains what was going on uh, to the, in the lives of the people that Peter was writing to. It says, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, so now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations. There was lots of persecution. There was problems. There was difficulties. There was suffering going on. And in verse 7, he says, That, the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. And to put it in a nutshell, what he was telling them to do was to stand firm. Uh, even though things might be crumbling around you, even though uh, situations may constantly change and vary, uh, you need to stand firm so that the trial of your faith uh, may, may be more precious than of silver and of gold. And what I want to look at this, this morning are some motivations that we can grab a hold of from, from 1 Peter 1 that will, will cause us to have that desire to stand firm. I, I really believe in the next 10 years, you're going to see churches, you're going to see individuals, you're going to see families, capitulate. You're going to see them fold. You're going to see them crumble under some of the things that could take place, not just in our country, but around the world. Um, I believe, and we'll, we'll look at this in just a few minutes in the message, but without a doubt, the Lord is coming back, and I believe he's coming back soon. Uh, and, uh, and you folks do too. Uh, but, you know, the thing that, that I, I never, so many times we, we think so cut and dried. You know, uh, back right after I got saved and I, I learned the prophetic timeline, I just thought, okay, church age, then boom, uh, you, got the, you got the rapture, we're taken up. A dead in Christ shall rise for, first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Then seven years of tribulation, uh, and then Jesus Christ comes back in the second advent and rules and reigns for a thousand years. And all those things are true, okay? But what I didn't think of was there, there is probably going to be a transition <laughs> from the church age to the tribulation. And I'm going to be a part of that transition, possibly, if I'm alive and remain when the Lord comes back. That transition is not going to be in a positive direction <laughs> because you know what follows. It's seven years of tribulation. Uh, so what, what, uh, what, that, what that transition is going to do is it's going to be shaking things. And you're seeing it. You're seeing it with COVID. You're seeing it with a whole bunch of stuff. And uh, it's because of the times that we live in. Now, again, the Bible says, no man knoweth the day or the hour when Jesus Christ will come back. We don't. But we should know the times and the seasons. And can I tell you, we're in the season. <laughs> we're in the times. So, just like, like these folks were going through difficulty, uh, they, they needed to stand firm. And there were some things that God told them of that prepared them or uh, continued to help them to be able to stand firm for Jesus Christ. And those are the things we're going to look at this morning. 
Look with me beginning in verse 13. It says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The, the, the thing we need to realize is Christ is coming back, and he's coming back soon. And it's an event that uh, should be affecting your life. Now, you know, years ago, back in the 70s, uh, because people thought that Jesus Christ was going to come back before 2000. And I, I was one of them, okay? I, I really did. But uh, some folks uh, made some financial decisions. Some churches did this. You know, I don't know if you've ever heard of the term balloon payment, but it is a horrible thing. And uh, it, it can catch you and catch you by surprise. And uh, folks said, well, we'll go ahead and have those balloon payments because we're not going to be here. The Lord's going uh, to be gone. Uh, <clears throat> people built buildings with the attitude of, well, it doesn't have to last more than 10 or 15 years. So let's just go ahead. Well, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, then we're finding out in, in, in some areas that now those things are deteriorating because they didn't prepare and so I'm, I'm not asking you to be foolish about it, but you think he's coming back soon? I do too. I mean, I really, really do. More so than I ever have. And I realize that obviously, if I realized it in, in the 70s, and now we're in 2021, well, that obviously we're closer by about uh, seven, uh, 50 years Closer than, than, uh, than, than we were back then. I understand that. But, I mean, I think we'd be shocked to know just how close we are. And that mindset needs to affect not only just our thinking, but it also needs to affect our living. Um, when, when we really believe that Jesus Christ is going to come back soon... And that puts things into perspective. Uh, we, we treat, we today treat things uh, of, of importance, things, treat things importantly that honestly, if the Lord were to come back this afternoon in between the services, we would look back over our shoulders in heaven and say, well, what in the world did I put an emphasis on that for? Uh, because when, once you're in eternity, you realize that many of the things that we thought were, were of utmost importance really were of very little importance and some of none at all. And so what it does is it puts eternity in view. And it's good for us to be thinking about the fact that Jesus Christ is coming soon. You know, if let, let's just, you know, and, and nobody, again, nobody knows not only do they not know the day, the hour, I'm not so sure that they even know the year. Uh, but there's some that have thought that they, they, they have known. I remember a, a wonderful book that I could get you a real deal on called 88 Reasons Why Jesus Christ is Coming in 1988. Well, there's a warehouse somewhere that's full of those books because obviously he didn't come. But what if your mindset was in, in, in 2022 that, uh, whoa, I think he might come back this year. He might come back before the end of this year. Um, would that change what you do? 
Would that change the way you behave? Would that change the way you witness? I think it would. And I think the more that we get the coming of Christ in view in our own hearts and minds, the more it, more it, it will affect the way that we do things. Um, you know, it puts more of an urgency. Uh, what, I, what I think was the problem years ago was that people said, well, he's coming back soon, so I'll be lackadaisical. That's not the attitude you're supposed to have. Uh, because he's coming back soon, we ought to be more fervent. Because he's coming back soon, we, we uh, ought, to, ought to put the, the pedal to the metal, so to speak. And it changes our outlook. Outlook determines direction. And outlook determines actions. For instance, when, when Abraham and Lot were having problems, their herdsmen, and they were button heads. And uh, Abraham said, look, we need, to, we need to split. You need to go in one direction, and you, you choose wherever you'd like to go. And he says, and then I'll go in the opposite direction. Well, honestly, I don't think Abraham cared. Uh, he, he was just going to continue to serve the Lord and continue to follow him. And so he gave Lot first choice. But Lot had a mindset. Lot did care. And he looked up and he saw the well-watered plains of Sodom and he said, it reminds me of Egypt. And of course, we know what Egypt is. Egypt is a type or a picture of the world in the scripture. And so he pitched his tent toward Sodom. Well, if you know the rest of the story, just before God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, he was not only pitched outside of it, he was, and toward it, he was actually inside of it. Now, the Bible says that, that he was a righteous man. Uh, the Bible says that, uh, you know, that, that uh, he vexed his righteous soul. Uh, it bothered him, but he was still there, okay? In other words, uh, yeah, it bothered him, but he had a worldly mindset or he wouldn't have been in Sodom in the first place. And Abraham was not. He stayed as far away from that stuff as he could. So our mindset determines our direction. And, and so it's, it's important for us to have the right mind. Look in verse 13. It says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Um, a, a mindset that is centered on the second coming of Christ. And by the way, one of the things that that, that is referred to as the, the, the actual rapture of, G, uh, of the saints to be with the Lord Jesus in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it's referred elsewhere in the New Testament as the blessed hope. Okay? Uh, in other words, even if stuff's falling, around, falling down around you, you've got something to look forward to. And that's, that's really true. Whether you be taken by death or rapture, if you're saved, you have something to look forward to. Uh, yeah, you say it can get pretty tough down here. Yeah, but it's not tough up there. And this is only for a short period of time in comparison. That's for all eternity. That's something to look forward to. You know, uh, 
Our son Jonathan is a, a, one of these forward-thinking people. And he's always thinking about the next trip or the next thing he's going to do tomorrow or whatever. And, and I like that. I think that's a, that's, a good, that's a good attitude to have. But we need to develop that same thing with, with the fact that uh, someday we're going to spend eternity in heaven. Again, whether it be by death or by rapture, either way, if you are saved. By the way, if you're not saved, you won't spend eternity in heaven. You'll spend eternity in hell. You ought to think about that. You know, just as he said, gird up the loins of your mind, you need to gird up the loins of your mind if you're not absolutely positive that you're going to go to heaven when you die. Boy, do not play with that thing. You know, get that thing settled once and for all because you don't know when death's coming and you don't know when the rapture's coming. And uh, none of us do. But, uh, but when, you have, when you have that mindset as a child of God, you have something to look forward to. Um, he talks about three things here. He talks about a controlled mind, when he says, gird up the loins of your mind. He talks about a serious mind, when he says, have a, have a, a sober mind. And then he talks about a hopeful mind. Um, we should, you, you know, you say, well, I, I look around me, it's hard to be hopeful. Yeah, it's hard to be hopeful about people. It's hard to be hopeful about man, but when was it ever easy? <laughs> I mean, men and, and, you know, mankind always disappoints us. But you know what? God never disappoints us. And God never fails us. And so we need to, we need to have an a, a optimistic, a pessimistic uh, viewpoint when it comes to, to the, the human race, because it's just going to go downhill. But I got a, I got a very optimistic outlook when it comes to God and the decisions that we make in our lives and the things that we do uh, ought to be centered around the fact that someday we're going to be with the Lord throughout all eternity whether again whether it be death by death or whether it be by rapture we're going to to be with him and a person you know you, you I remember growing up and I've seen this over the years Pictures of uh, a person, a man, it's usually a man with a beard, kind of grungy looking. Uh, he's got a robe on, he's got a picket sign, and on the sign it says, the end is near. God is coming again, you know, Christ is coming, or whatever. Um, that's not the kind of person who uh, is looking for his coming. The person that's looking for his coming is, is some, some of the most stable people on the face of this earth because they have hope. And if, if you know for sure that Christ is your Savior and that your sins are all forgiven, man, you have something to look forward to. And looking forward to that blessed hope helps you stand firm and be stable and, and uh, faithful in your Christian life. Second thing, uh, back to 1 Peter chapter 1, look at 14 and 15. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, be holy for I am holy. Second thing that, that ought to help you stand firm for God and to be able to to suffer where it's necessary is, is God's holiness. I mean, what a blessing it is 
to, to serve a God whose motives and actions are always pure. They're always right. Uh, he's never wrong. Uh, if, if something happens in your life and you, you say, whoa, 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 hold the phone. And I've had this. We, I think we all have. You know, uh, something goes not the way we expected in, in, in our life. We're trying to do right. We're trying to serve God. And then all of a sudden it seems like things around us start to collapse and we start scratching our heads and we say, whoa, wait a minute. something doesn't add up. Well, if something doesn't add up, it's not because of God. It's because I can't figure it out because I'm just a sinful human being. But God's got it figured. And understand, he is in control. And... There's nothing that happens in the life of a child of God that doesn't first pass through him. And he is holy. Uh, you know, and, and believe in that. You know what that takes? I've, I've heard people say, you know, what's your, what's your latest faith project in your life? Uh, I'll tell you one of them in my life is just trusting God with everything that falls across my path, realizing that there, it's all in his hands and he knows the beginning from the end and everything in between. That takes faith. That takes faith. But I'm here to tell you that you're placing your faith in a holy God. A God who, who, who does no wrong. Uh, we, we ought to desire to be like him. Uh, in, in fact, that's why he says, be ye holy, for I am holy. Uh, you know, I, I don't understand. I don't understand saved people who want to be like the world. I don't understand saved people who want to be fleshly. I don't understand saved people who mess around at all with the devil. Well, one of the things that we have never watched in our, in our home, we have never, ever, ever seen a horror film uh, you know, with the spirits and I don't, I'll mess with that stuff. I, I don't look, that's not entertainment, man. That's, that's, uh, that's, that's picking up hot coals and trying to juggle them. Uh, you don't mess with that kind of stuff. But can I tell you something? None of those three things have ever done you any favors. They've never been your friend. The world never did you a favor. It constantly asks you to walk lockstep in conformity. And that's why God says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. The flesh. The Bible tells us over in the book of James, it says, uh, flesh when it is conceived, bring forth sin. And sin when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Now, in the process, in the very beginning of that thing, there could be some pleasure in sin. But the Bible says it's only for a season. But sin, uh, lust brings forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, always brings forth death. And, and the flesh is never fulfilled, and never does you any favors. He's never satisfied. And then, of course, the devil, uh, he wants to damn you. And if you're saved, he can't. He can't touch you. So what he can do is he can devour you. Uh, he can take away your, your joy. He can take away your peace. He can take away your hope he can take if, if you succumb to him. So none of those three things have done us any favors. Uh, so, so what should we desire to be? We should desire to be holy and, and to be pure like the Lord is. And that'll help us 
to stand firm for him. Uh, another uh, another uh, thing that motivates us, go down to verse 16. Verse 16 says, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Now there it, it declares the holiness of God, but it, it is the holiness of God because it is written. Uh, it is written ought to be the bottom line of everything that you believe. It is written ought to be the bottom line of decisions that you make and how you make decisions in life. Uh, God's word shows us what's right and what's wrong. God's word shows us what's good and what's evil. Um, I was just talking with someone the other day, and I can't, I can't quote it exactly, but uh, it's, in, it's in the book of Proverbs, and it's, it's intimated in other areas, too, where the Bible says, don't go, uh, turn neither to the right hand nor to the left. In other words, his truth is right dead center somewhere. Oh, I know what it was. We were talking, I think it was Grant and I. We were talking about, uh, uh, I had a guy one time I was here at the church. It was after a Sunday morning service. Some guy was visiting. I never met him before. And uh, he came up to me and said, uh, said uh, you know, well, he says, uh, just from the, the sounds of things, uh, he says, it sounds like that you are an Arminian church. And I wanted to look at him and say, no, no, I'm not Arminian. I'm Scottish. But... <laughs> I didn't, okay, I didn't. You'd be proud of me, I didn't. But, uh, but uh, he, says, he said, uh, you must be Arminian. Now, what Arminian, what that means is you believe that anyone can, can get saved, but you can lose it. I said, no, we're not Arminian. We don't believe you can lose your salvation. Oh, well, then you must be Calvinistic. And I said, no, I believe that whosoever will may come. That it's not predetermined before the foundation of the world like you do. Uh, and uh, and uh, he says, so you don't believe either one of them. Where are you? He says, we're right where the Bible is. Right in the middle, right in the center. Uh, we don't believe either one of those extremes. And when you go to the Bible, it keeps you away from the extremes. Now, again, we are living in a day and age where the extremes are out there. I mean, the, the extremes to the right and the extremes to the left, and not just social and political extremes, but even when it comes to the Scripture. I know guys that for years have taken the right stand on some things, uh, biblically, that now are all of a sudden changing. I hate that. I hate that. Because God's Word never changes. And so... Something's wrong. You say, well, see, I was deceived. No, you know what it might be? It might be you're right in the middle of deception right now because you're deviating from the book. Let the Bible be the one to determine what you believe. And when something, when something comes across your path as an individual, how do you determine whether it's a route to go? or something that you ought to be involved in. Well, I'm going to give you quickly five tests. And these are, these are things that have helped me tremendously over the years. Five biblical tests. First of all, does it glorify God? Uh, Colossians 3.17 says, And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. There was a, a circuit-riding preacher one time that came into a town. He was familiar with the town. And... Uh, he, uh, he, got off, he got off his horse, 
and uh, began to walk over to where he heard a lot of people were gathering. It was inside of a, like a big building or a barn. I guess it was a barn. And uh, what he found when he walked in there was there was a dance going on. Well, he, he was against dancing. He was a Bible-believing preacher. And uh, a woman saw him and recognized him, came up to him and said, called him by name and said, Listen, uh, would you, I want you to dance with me. Well, he, she did that to just kind of get him. So he looked, he looked at her, grabbed her hand and said, all right, honey, let's go. And went right to the middle of the dance floor. And he says, however, before I do anything, I always ask God's blessing on it. Let's pray. And he drops down to his feet, uh, to his knees. And in as loud of a voice as he can, he starts talking to God. He prays for over a half an hour. Okay, everything stopped. And to make a long story short, he ended up leading many of those folks to Christ, and they started a church in that barn. I think that is so neat. Uh, but you know what he said? He said, he said look, if I'm going to do something, it's going to glorify God, so let's pray. Uh, ask yourself, does it glorify God? Secondly, is it a faith? Romans 14, verse 23, for whatsoever of, is not of faith is sin. Man, if you're vacillating all over the place on the thing and God has not given you clear-cut direction, then you need to stop and you need to back up a little bit. Third thing is, will it, will it harm my body? Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 19, or 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses Verse 19 says, What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and you are not your own, for you bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. The fourth thing you say, you ask yourself is, is, does it please the Lord? And again, you're not going by feeling, you're not going by emotion, you're going by what the Bible says. Does it please the Lord? 2 Timothy chapter 2. And verse 4, each of us is to please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Each of us has that responsibility. And then fifthly, does it pass God's uh, test list? Uh, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8 says, Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are, are lovely... Uh, if there be any virtue, or whatsoever things be of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Well, if it doesn't pass that test, then that's not where God wants you to go and not what God wants you to do. We need to discipline ourselves to think biblically. You know what I found? I found when I think biblically, I can stand firm. And when I don't, and I go by my emotions, I go by my feelings, I go by my own opinion, okay, then the thing starts to vacillate and I end up in trouble and I'm not standing firm for God. Then the fourth thing, First uh, Peter 1, look down verse 17, says, And if you call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. Now, it's talking about the judgment of God, and God hates sin. Over in Proverbs chapter 6, it says, These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are abomination unto him. And uh, he, 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 he enumerates those seven things. 
Uh, but the judgment that he's talking about here is not, he's not talking so much about eternal judgment. He's talking about judging our works. There's going to come a day when we're going to face God. Now, if you're lost, you're going to hear, depart from me, ye that work iniquity, I never knew you. If you're saved, what we want to hear is uh, the fact that we are a good and faithful servant and uh, that we're to enter into the joy of the Lord. Uh, there's going to come a time where we're going to face God and he's going to, those of us that are saved, he's going to judge our works. He does not judge the, the, the works of a, of a lost person in the respect that uh, those works don't get anybody to heaven. Uh, faith and trust in Jesus Christ is what gets somebody to heaven. But once a person is saved, then they have a judgment to look forward to where our works are tried of what sort they are. And God's going to judge those works. That's why he tells us over in the book of Philippians, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. He's not talking about working for your salvation. He's talking about doing works because we're, we're his workmanship created under Christ Jesus unto good works, according to Ephesians 2. And, and when God judges us, he does so as a father. Now, you know, there's going to be a future judgment. There's also a present judgment in this respect. When, when we sin against God, because he is our father, he chastens us. In fact, the Bible says... Uh, he whom he loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. In other words, every person who trusts Jesus Christ as Savior is, is going to be uh, under the, the loving care of their father. And that loving care entails judgment, and it entails chastening. And so the bottom line is, we need to fear God. Uh, I don't fear God because he's going to send me to hell. He saved me from hell. But I ought to have a fear of God because of chastening. I have a fear of God because of future judgment, how he's going to judge my works, and I want to please him. I ought to have a, I have a you know, I think the, the number one fear and concern that ought to be in your heart and mine we ought to be afraid that we displease him. I mean, you think about all that God has done for us. And we're going to take a look at that here in just a minute because that's the last point. But uh, all that God has done for us, our greatest fear ought to be that we just displease him or we just disappoint him because he's our father. And then the, the, the last thing is... Uh, is the, the redemption of God. Look with me in verses 18 through 21. The fact that, that you are redeemed ought to be a tremendous motivation for you to stand firm. And verse 18 says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things of silver and gold from your vain con conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish, without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope 
might be in God. You know, just the fact that you're redeemed uh, ought to motivate you to serve God. I, again, you talk to some, some people and they say, well, you know, uh, you, you're, you folks, you just believe that you can trust Christ to save you. You can get saved and then you can go off and you can just do anything you want to do. No, we don't believe that. We believe we could, but we don't believe we should. And the reason why is if you really grasp a hold of what Jesus Christ has done for you, you don't want to do that stuff. You don't want to go off into sin. You don't want to continue in sin. In fact, uh, Scripture tells us in Romans 6, says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Now, if you do sin and you're saved, is grace going to abound? Yeah. Yeah, you're still going to go to heaven. But should we continue in sin that grace may abound? And the answer is, God forbid. God forbid. And the reason why is because of the great price of redemption that Jesus Christ paid for us. It ought to be, you know, the, one of the things that ought to motivate us is gratitude for the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. The uh, Bible says that we were slaves to sin and we've been bought out of that slavery and we've been set free to do that which is right and pure and good in God's eyes. Um, don't, don't ever forget what sin did to you. You know, I look, I look back at my life, and before, I, before I, I trusted Christ as Savior, there was a lot of misery in my life. And when I say misery, I mean misery that I brought on myself just because of my own sin. And uh, my, my perspective after I got saved changed drastically, and it changed drastically because of Jesus Christ, because of what he did for me. You know, you know what, that, you know what that, that does on the inside of your heart when you really grasp? I, I've got, a, uh, I've got a, uh, a list of uh, 33, and, it, and, and in reality, it may be a whole lot more than 33, but it, it, it enumerates 33 different things that God did for, for you and that God did for me the moment that you believed on Christ and he gave you eternal life. 33 different things. You know, we're washed, we're cleansed, we've got the hope of, of, of uh, uh, resurrection, the hope of, of, uh, of, uh, of, re of redemption. We've got, um, we've got the blessed hope to look forward to. We have uh, been born again. We've been taken from the kingdom of darkness and placed into his marvelous light. And on and on and on it goes. We're, we're justified uh, by grace through faith. We are sanctified, set apart. And, and all those things happen the moment that you and I believed on Jesus Christ. You know what that does? <laughs> you know what that does? It, it makes you love him. When you think about it, when you meditate on it, it makes you realize just how good God's been to you. Look down in, in verse 18. And verse 18 says, For as much as ye know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. Um, the truth of the matter is, according to verse 18, your life was vain before you trusted Christ. It was a mess. It wasn't worth nothing. And it wasn't. 
But now that you're saved, your life is worth something. It's not worth something because of you. Okay, just make that clear here. Okay, it's not, it's not worth something because of you. It's worth something because of him. Because we're bought with a price. Five reasons to, to do right and be right and stand firm for God. Um, Christ's return gives you a longing for him. It sets your mindset. Uh, God's holiness just a desire to be like him, to, 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 to emulate him and to, to, to be like him in our character. Uh, God's word, just, we can think like him and we can be directed properly because of it. God's judgment causes us to fear him and we ought to fear God. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And then last of all, God's redemption. Uh, what it causes us to do is to, to appreciate him. It causes us to love him. You know, we're getting ready, well, we're already into uh, November. And, and I don't know, you know, I, uh, my mindset is as soon as we hit November, it's Thanksgiving. Okay, it's, it's a Thanksgiving month, really. Uh, and uh, Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. I love Thanksgiving. It has been the least tainted. And I was so excited this week to hear and it's probably not for the right reasons, and I really don't care. But a whole bunch of stores have decided not to open on Thanksgiving. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We're, we're bringing the holiday back. Uh, and and, and uh, uh, gives you an opportunity to, to just be thankful. Can you imagine these people that don't believe in Christ? And so many of them might be atheists or, or agnostics. And, in, and someone looks at him and says, be thankful. To whom? <laughs> to who? You know who I'm thankful to? I'm thankful to the God who saved me. And, and uh, this, the, you know, this, this, this whole salvation that he has given me is something that ought to cause me to want to live for him. Now go back with me and I'll close with this. Go back in, in 1 Peter Chapter 1, look in verse 6. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we pray that you would work on our hearts this morning. And if there's an area, maybe we've not been thinking on the, on the second coming and on the blessed hope like we ought to. Uh, Lord, uh, things are pointing toward the fact that the season's getting awful close. And we ought to rejoice in that blessed hope that we can have in, in you. Uh, Lord, we ought to, ought to allow your holiness to be a part of our lives and and your word to tell us what to do and not to do. And then your, your judgment to cause us to fear you. And then, Lord, we ought to be so appreciative of what we have in Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that you'd work on our hearts. And as you speak to our hearts about things that we've let slip, help us to realize that we're living in a day and age where we must stand firm. The world, the flesh, the devil want to push us all over the place. God, uh, we need to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, 
Help us, God, to get the right mindset and to, to be determined to have a life that's pleasing and honoring to you so that when either you do come or we're taken by death, we can hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Bless this invitation. We pray that you'd speak to our hearts this morning, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand.